0: Um, in January, just think back, you know, as we take a look back at 2022, uh, a year ago, not even a year ago, in January, uh, Jason Kenney, of course, was premier of the province, uh, under siege though, the knives were out around the caucus table. They had been for quite a while. You go back to the year before that, and we had the, uh, Everybody taking off to Hawaii problem um, and, and and COVID was raging and there was all kind of things going on. So he was under duress. No two ways about that. Uh, his days were numbered, as we now know, right? We saw how it shakes out at the end of the day. Beginning of the end, if you go back to it, was May 18th. Um, he faced the leadership review on May 18th and he got the majority, slim Yes, it was 51.4%, I think his majority was at that time. He decided that wasn't enough, and the rest, as they say, is history. You remember what happened. He hung around. The long goodbye, it was called. He didn't actually leave office until very recently, um, but he did announce that he'd step down, and the party then said, okay, we're going to have a leadership review. Now, if you think back to the beginning of that process, when it all started, that leadership review... Was I don't think I don't think um, Danielle necessarily would have been considered to be the favorite at that time. But lo and behold, here we are now. So let's get a breakdown on where we have been over the past year with Dr. Lisa Young, who is a professor of political science at the University of Calgary. Dr. Young, are you there? See, Sarah, it's not me. I don't know what I did. What did you do? Okay. I'm pretty, I've got a weird, like, no entry symbol on Dr. Young's line. Dr. Young, are you there? I am. Got you now. Okay. Thank you very much. Sorry about that. Um, no problem. Let's go back. I mean, not even a year. If you think about what, it, what 2022 has been like, it's absolutely <laughs> frenetic, but let's go back a year ago, January. We're, we're talking about Jason Kenney. And the question at that time was, would he be able to remain in the Premier's office, under fire on all fronts. Uh, But at the time, he was resolute and he was going to hang in, right? I mean, that's where we were in January.
1: Absolutely. You know, as I was thinking about this interview, I was imagining a year ago, if someone had predicted where we are right now, we would have thought that they really (laughs) had a wild imagination. (laughs)
0: It's so true. I mean, it has been all all years in Alberta. Politics are wild. This one, I think, more so than most. Um, the leadership review was moved up because, remember, that was supposed to be happening in the fall of 2022. But he he conceded and said, OK, OK, I see the writing on the wall here. Let's do it in, in the spring of 2022. Um, and that proved right. to be his demise. Right. That was the breaking point.
1: Absolutely. And, you know, if we think back, he didn't say May. It was going to be in April. It was going to be in Red Deer in person. Um, And so even that took a peculiar twist as there was huge pressure on, uh, uh you know, on that uh, process, too many people to physically be accommodated in Red Deer. And Probably not a, a good outcome for uh, Jason Kenney. And so the party switched from that April date uh, to the May date, um, letting people uh, vote by mail.
0: Right, exactly. Which, again, was another controversial issue in terms of how that was going to shape out. Oh, I mean, it's been controversy from day one. But what, what it comes down to, I guess, and where what got us to that point was the fact that he came to Alberta, He united the conservative movements in the province under the one-party banner, and we were back to being perfectly divided again following the May 18th vote.
1: Exactly. He, He brought together the two parties, but it seems in retrospect that he failed to truly unite them. And if we think about, you know, that 51 percent win that he had and then Daniel Smith winning with, I think it was 53 or 54 percent, again, that really does speak to a party that has been profoundly divided, um, you know, through much of the last couple of years.
0: And when we look back at Jason Kenney and the fact, you know, that he's he's no longer premier, was that was that the overarching um, downfall uh, of Premier Jason Kenney, just the fact that holding those two factions together proved to be too much?
1: You know, holding those two factions together, I think, was a, a really challenging task for anyone. And I, I think there were a couple of things. The The first is that Jason Kenney has many, you know, many political talents, I, I think it's fair to say. But he perhaps wasn't the best suited personality to holding these these two uh sort of streams in the party together. Um, the things that have come out about his lack of consultation with caucus, not talking to people in caucus, you know, it it does make you wonder if things could have been different with a different personality and style in that leadership role. So that's one thing. But then the other thing I think we have to acknowledge is that COVID was an extraordinary right. stress test for you know, all premiers across the country, but certainly for a party that is divided in the way that the UCP is divided and became so profoundly divided over how to uh, address the COVID pandemic.
0: I think you make such a good point. I mean, obviously, he he wasn't the only premier to try and deal with the pandemic. All of our leaders did. But I don't think we can deny the fact that Alberta is unique in, in that regard, I mean, there was resistance to um, public health measures everywhere, but I think there was more and more uh, vocal and stronger opposition to them in Alberta, right? I mean, I, we have to be a little bit fair to Jason Kenney on that front.
1: Absolutely. I think, you know, if we look at all of the provincial premiers, he was dealt probably the most challenging deck of cards or hand of cards in the sense that public opinion in Alberta was more divided. Um, he he tried to find a, a middle ground in that and, you know, was very lonely in that spot because he, he wasn't part of one poll or the other poll. And, so much of his caucus was on one side of, of yeah. this issue and an issue, you know, and, and wanted him to pursue a set of policies that I don't think he realistically could could follow. And, you know, I think as he's looked back, he has come to the conclusion, which I think is correct, that he might still be premier if he had been With his caucus, if he had just said, look, this is what we're doing, toe the line or get out, it would have meant that, you know, another party would have formed, I think, and would be challenging him in this election. But he'd still be premier.
0: Well, I mean, you're a political scientist. You know full well that when you, I mean, it's an old saying in politics, when you try and please everyone, you end up pleasing no one, and then you end up out of office. That's that's typically how it works, right? You can't be all things to all people.
1: Well, yeah, I, I'm not even sure that that was the case. It, you know, in um, public opinion is seldom as polarized or divided on an issue, as public opinion in Alberta was over COVID. There were very few people who wanted a moderate middle policy. People wanted fewer restrictions, no vaccine mandates, or they wanted... More restrictions at various times, and stronger action and faster action, and and so Kenny found himself, you know, in this sort of empty center in in some ways, and you know I think that there were some some tactical errors there as well. You know, he he would postpone acting, and that would make the situation worse. But I, I do think that. <laughs> you know, if you look back, if he had chosen one side or another, he might have been better off. It's really hard to say.
0: Regardless, we know how it played out and he's no longer the premier. Now, Danielle Smith had talked about possibly entering the race uh, in late 2021 and, of course, was all in as we got into the summer. But when do you, I mean, when all of this started and Kenny left and the leadership race started, Danielle Smith was not considered a serious contender by most people. Is that fair? I mean, we didn't think think that that. she'd end up being premier.
1: Yeah, I I think that's fair. I think I I said to you or or to... uh some some uh, host that uh, I thought she was in the race really to to stage a comeback into politics, right, yeah. right? You know, she she may you know she would be able to run as an MLA. Maybe she'd be in the cabinet if her party won, but. Before the the race really launched, I don't think many people saw her as a leading contender. I I think that the expectation was that that Wild Rose side of the party would probably flock to Brian Jean, which didn't happen. Yeah.
0: Yeah, I, I, and and of course, uh we know what's happened since. Can I? Can can you hang on for a second, Dr. Young? We'll take a she quick can. break and come back. Okay, we'll take a quick break. We're chatting with Dr. Lisa Young, a professor of political science at the University of Calgary. More right after this. We're chatting with Dr. Lisa Young, who is a professor of political science at the University of Calgary, just going through the year that was 2022. Uh, Dr. Young, thanks for holding on. I appreciate it. No Um, problem. So we've gone through Jason Kenney and then the start of this leadership campaign where I think we all saw, you know, Danielle Smith as as, as sure she, she was, I mean, not going to say she was a, a candidate that didn't have a chance, but I don't think any of us thought she'd end up winning. But from the very get-go of that campaign, unlike most campaigns I can remember covering, she dominated all of this discussion from day one and never relented.
1: That is absolutely fair. And You know, I think we skipped over an important political event in in the year that helps to explain how she was so dominant, and that's the Freedom Convoy. Um, You know, there was this mobilization of people who were angry about vaccination mandates. They were angry about what the government had done around, uh, COVID. And I think that was the first base of support for Danielle Smith that helped her launch this campaign. and then she came along with her ideas about the sovereignty act which brought in uh, another sort of group of uh, supporters to her um, and and i think the combination of those two things really helped her first of all mount a, a stronger campaign than she would be able to it was lots of people she could sign up to be members um, but also the this idea of the sovereignty act was so far outside the the mainstream of the conversation that all of the other leadership candidates with the exception of Todd Lowen ended up responding yeah. to it. And and that made her this central figure in the debate.
0: And, 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 and it stayed that way. It didn't go away. Uh, it carried her to the leadership win, of course. But that, again, when we talk about a divided party, that was far from overwhelming. It went to the final ballot, and she won a slim majority. So still, the division exists.
1: Absolutely. And, you know, I think it's been fascinating to watch the party unite behind her under those circumstances. Yeah. And, you know, I, I think she gets some credit for this. I think she, you know, her personal style is is quite different from Jason Kenney's and, and she's been quite deliberate about these efforts. Uh, I think also, you know, there's there's nothing that brings a group project together like a looming deadline and the prospect of the election in May has been sobering, I think, for yeah. the party. It, they know that if they continue their internal disputes, um, that they're, they're going to lose the election, certainly. So there's been sort of a sense of, okay, you know, we, we lost The the argument in the leadership, we're going to have to swallow all of our concerns about the Sovereignty Act and about Daniel Smith's judgment and act like a united party, at least for the next six months.
0: (laughs) You're right. I mean, who knows knows what happens after that? But... um... Going forward, uh, like you say, they, I think the recognition, and, and we've spoken to a number of—I'm sure you have, I know I have—who people, you know, behind the scenes within the party that say, "Listen, we, we've got to be able to just at least put on the unified front going forward," uh, like you say, to get elected. Uh, after she became premier, all of the sniping about the sovereignty act went away. I noticed some of them didn't show up for the vote. They maybe just decided they'd sit that one out. But it passed, and nobody within the party is is sniping from the sidelines about it. It hasn't gone smoothly though. Uh, how much uh, has she hurt herself with? The rather, you know, even as she has said, a chaotic start with clarifications after announcements over and over. and All these sorts of things. There's questions about what's going on. Who's driving the bus over there?
1: Yeah, I, I think, you know, for those of us who follow this closely um it it hasn't looked like a smooth transition it it hasn't looked like she's ready to govern Um, you know rollouts of legislation have you know her, her signature legislation were highly problematic I'm not sure that all the voters are paying attention to, you know, this, you know, we sometimes think of it as inside baseball, but I do think that voters have been looking, you know, who is Danielle Smith is the question, right? Is is Danielle Smith the, the person who was running for the UCP leadership? Is she the person who thinks that the unvaccinated or the group who've experienced the worst con- uh, discrimination, is she the person who thinks that if you live, a you know, that you can prevent yourself from getting cancer? You know, is that the real Danielle Smith or is the... Premier who is feeling people's pain through inflation, who's making sure that money is coming out for affordability, who, you know, says that she wants to govern for all Alberta. Is that the real person? And, you know, I think voters are trying to figure out, you know, if they reelect Daniel Smith, which one of those premiers do they get?
0: What about on the other side? For all the issues that we've talked about with the UCP, the infighting, the chaos, all the rest of it, they're ahead in the latest polling. Not least NDP is still lagging behind, albeit it's you know probably within the margin of error, um, but they had a pretty commanding lead at some time. I mean, it seems like it could be up in the air depending on who goes where in Calgary primarily, but uh, have the NDP squandered an opportunity here?
1: Yeah, I mean, first of all, I think we should talk a little bit about those polls. I'm having a lot of trouble making sense of the polling that we're seeing. I mean, you're, you're right that, you know, we've seen two or three polls in the past week that show the UCP and the NDP roughly neck and neck, right? They're within, they're point within the margin of error, yeah. right? Um, but then we see um, uh, the, the NDP ahead in Calgary in some polls by, you know, a couple of points, so, you know, neck and neck, really. Uh, others by 10 points or more, so a commanding lead in Calgary. So that's a bit of a head-scratcher. And then the other piece is that um, when when we see ratings of the two party leaders, we see that uh, ratings of Rachel Notley are much more favorable than ratings of Danielle Smith. So Danielle Smith is kind of a, a drag on her party's support. So it's really, you know, it's a bit puzzling to see what the big picture of all of this is right? Um, So I I really, you know, I mean, if we've learned anything this year, it's that we shouldn't make predictions, right? But it's really hard to see who's, you know, who's got the advantage going into uh, the 2023 election. But I do think, you know, there's lots of, of criticism of the NDP's ability to make the most of this situation. Sure. And, you know, there, there's criticism that they haven't been able to focus their their critique, that they're sort of always chasing the, you know, the issue of the day, um, that they are talking more about, you know, how, how terrible Danielle Smith is, instead of talking about how they are ready to govern in, right. in a stable sort of way. So I do think it's going to be really critical for them over the next six months to think about streamlining their messaging and, and getting a really solid message out uh, to voters about who they are and what they would do if they were elected. You know, there's there's this, when you talk to campaign strategists, they always say that, um you've got, during an election, you need to audition for the role that you want. So if you are very critical, you're auditioning to be leader of the opposition. If if you act like a premier, well, then you're auditioning to be premier. Yeah. And I think that's something that's got to be top of mind for the NDP.
0: And regardless, uh, there'll be a bunch for you and I to talk about. We know that. <laughs> <laughs>
1: That's a safe prediction.
0: (laughs) Next year will be uh, probably just as exciting as this year. We really appreciate your insight as we go along and look forward to doing this again in 2023, Dr. Young. My pleasure. Thanks so much. That's Dr. Lisa Young, who is a professor of political science at the University of Calgary. And I think she's right. The NDP need to be careful. They had a, they were in a pretty good position here, but much of that lead, according to the polling, and like Dr. Young says, it's tough because it's all going to come down to Calgary by the looks of it. Uh, it seems like most people are saying Edmonton's a foregone conclusion that's going NDP. Rural's a foregone conclusion, that's going UCP. The battleground will be Calgary and it looks like it's, you know, it's going to be close. So so we'll see where it goes. But uh, I think there is pressure on the NDP to become something more than the opposition critic, to put something forward. I'm hearing that from you a lot. Uh, and I think I've noticed a bit of a change in the NDP in terms of, uh if you check uh, the tweets, and that's how we do things these days, we're ready to govern has been a message we're hearing a lot. Are they?